Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Infinite Boost podcast. This one is a doozy. It's a long one, but a very good one. I think that you're going to enjoy it because I did. Uh, for this episode, I had Fat, who is a early supporter and builder and participant in the collegiate Rocket League scene. Uh, we have a good amount in common just based on where we're located in history and things of that nature. Anyways, it's long, so I'm going to get right to it. It was a fun episode. I hope you enjoy it. That is all. Thanks so much for Fat uh, for joining me. Here we go. All right, everybody, I am here for another episode of the Infinite Boost podcast. And with me today, uh, I can't quite honestly link how I found you. Uh, I think you responded to somebody else that I follow on Twitter and I haven't mentioned this to you yet, Fat, but uh, I am a University of Illinois grad, so we are we are Big Ten brothers in that. And normally, I get very uh, aggressive with people that go to other Big Ten schools because I bleed orange and blue so deeply, but I'm letting go of that. I'm trying to be more open to uh, being nice to people that are rivals of mine. So here we are. Uh, sharing an episode of the Infinite Boost podcast, you you uh, are a current player for Minnesota, uh, up a little bit north of me, and have been doing some winning as well, which is uh, awesome. So congratulations on that. Uh, is is the level up or the up level or next level level next whatever it's called? Is that tournament done? So Level Next started out as these regions, like 16 regional groups and the Big Ten, you know, the Power Five conferences, the Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, ACC, SEC, they're all a part of that. Um, and we in the Big Ten are the champions. So University of Minnesota defeated Penn State in the finals. We also beat your Orange and Blue, which used to be my Orange and Blue, but we'll get into that later. Um, oh my gosh, the drama. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, okay, um, we'll get to that later. Um, and so basically from defeating that, we now go to the national championship, which has 24 teams. And that starts on June 4th, goes until June 6th. So that's the next competition for us. And we'll be one of the higher seeded teams coming from that first place position. Okay. So there was a level next regional tournament for like the big 10 teams and you've won that regional. So now you go to a national championship with under the same umbrella of the level next situation correct okay got it i haven't paid a ton of attention to that so i didn't i didn't know if it was just an invitational immediately to like that national championship or if you've gotten yourself there but okay sounds good um so i i gave you a brief introduction why don't you fill in some holes about uh not necessarily your rocket league background but just like other things that you might do in the scene or other things that you're involved in uh rocket league or otherwise Sure. Um, so it kind of started in like 27. I mean, first of all, I got the game when it came out, the first day of the game coming out, which was awesome. Um, and a few years later, come college for me, which the first year of college was 2017, I was uh, actually going to the University of Illinois for my freshman year. And I, yeah, I see that face. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was uh, grinding for a computer science major and I decided to become a big part of the collegiate scene. So it was really small back then. You know, college players were. 300 total maybe and I kind of worked my butt off to get you know that scene working with a ton of other people obviously one of the big people was Alpha 
Um, and together we kind of pushed this scene forward and eventually Psyonix picked it up and brought it to where it is today. Um, so after being in Illinois for actually only a semester, uh, we played in CRL, it was super fun, competitive. Um, we're first in the North Conference, which was pretty fun. And then transferred to community college for a couple of years, kind of just worked on the side with things, worked for Psyonix for a little bit, I was a writer. Uh, and then once I finished my associate's degree, I decided to transfer again. And now I'm at the University of Minnesota studying mechanical engineering. Um, recently, the biggest thing I've been doing is coaching. So for the past two and a half years, I've been coaching one-on-one uh, -on -one and with in the team setting. And uh, recently I got picked up by Nerd Street Gamers, which is a really popular org these days. They're growing a lot, especially in the yeah. rock league scene. Um, and I'm actually now an intern. So starting uh, June 1st, I will be a event management intern and kind of starting that whole esports career for me. Are you, uh, are you graduating or have graduated? So I am graduating next year. Um, I'm going to be like a 50 year okay. red shirt kind of player just because I switched degrees and it was kind of a long process. There, oh, so. sure, sure. Yeah. Nice. Definitely. Got it. Uh, so did you play with shock when you were at the U of I? So I actually played with Navy striker, but not shock shock came this, the year after me that fall, uh, but shock and I are actually really good friends. Um, you know, we play oh, yeah. together every once in a while and we play rock league a few times. Um, but we used to, because of Illinois, we kind of grew closer and have played games since. Sure. Nice. Yeah. Shock was on the show a while ago. He was kind enough to randomly, answer my dm i think i think it was just as gosh what was his team afterthought was it afterthought mm -hmm. just as afterthought was getting into rlcs right before season nine i think when right. they qualified i sent him a dm because i knew he was at the u of i um and i was like hey i'm a u of i grad would love to have you on the show blah 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 uh, just saw you got into RLCS. So, you know, I had him on the show. It was awesome. Shock is such a cool dude. Uh, such a nice guy. Um, and then he goes and gets uh, NA MVP, which was sick. Uh, seeing him kind of catapult himself after being on the show. It was clearly just because he was on my podcast that he was able to play so well that season. I actually had nothing to do with it. Uh, it was really nice to have him on the show. So it's it's cool to see that you you have a relationship with him as well. Because, I mean, I've really been enjoying his streams and watching watching his stream grow and watching the team grow. And they, though I would have liked to see them perform a little bit better this past weekend on the major, uh, that that series that they won against Envy was phenomenal. Um, but I, I really hope to see that he, he continues to progress in the RLCS because he's a really good dude. Anyways, uh, this isn't about shock. Tell me more about you and your history with the game of Rocket League. So you said you've been playing it since launch? Yeah, so I got it since launch, but when I was, uh, actually when it launched, I was in my junior or senior year of high school, I think, and I was actually a competitive CSGO player. I was what you would say semi-professional probably. Um, was starting to earn money, was on bigger teams, and was grinding that until I actually just decided to quit because I needed to focus on school come you know junior year. Um, but during that time, that was when Rocket League was kind of growing. So I missed like seasons one, season two, but I played that preseason. So I was there really early in the game, but I wasn't like at the top level or anything until probably like season four or five, I decided to really grind the game with the start of college and Collegiate Rocket League starting to blow up. 
Um, and that was when I, I think I reached Grand Champ for the first time in season four or five. And since then, I've always been kind of towards the top of the rank scene. So, what yeah. was it that hooked you about Rocket League, especially being like, I understand kind of hitting pause on Counter-Strike because of school, mm. but what caused you to pick up Rocket League as opposed to go back to something like Counter-Strike? Yeah, so the thing with Counter-Strike is I felt like it was a really toxic scene, um, and it, especially at the highest level, it was very toxic, and uh, I mean, similar to many other games, but Rocket League for me was kind of a fresh start, and I felt like it was... Um, the interesting thing with, with Rocket League compared to other games is that Rocket League has no relatable mechanics to any other game. Um, I mean, maybe racing games or car games, if you if you can call it that, right? But really, SARP and Rocket League are their own thing. And so going into that game, it's not like people have this uh, advantage because they're good at shooters or they played Call of Duty as a kid, right? They come into Rocket League and they're just as bad as everybody else. And I like that because I think I'm a fast learner. And so that was kind of an advantage for me where I picked up the mechanics. I picked up the, the rotation and the brain the kind of thinking that goes into the game a lot faster. And that was what helped me grow compared to something like CS where these people have been playing CS source, CS 1.6, people have been playing COD, uh, you know, all these different games and that all contributes to their skill in the other similar FPS games. Yeah, uh, for sure. So if you were earning money as a high schooler in Counter-Strike, then your family and your parents are probably pretty understanding that not only uh, are you good at video games, that you have like a, a knack for video games, but they can actually be a productive part of your life as well. So it's interesting. I would say I kind of disagree with that until very recently. Um, when I was in high school, it was earning money, but uh, at the same time it was, hey, you're not doing as well in school. Um, you have great test grades, but you're not doing well in school. Like, you need to focus, put more time into school. And so that wasn't really my decision to stop playing uh, Counter-Strike, sorry. Okay, um, sure. But it was something I needed to do, and I kind of still respect that decision. But sure. I, and I don't regret it. It's not like I wanted to become a professional Counter-Strike player. I just really like competing at a high level and being competitive and doing that. Um, however, I would say that my parents recently, very recently, with this whole college Rocket League thing kind of blowing up this last year, they become very supportive. And they, you know, the other day when we were playing Penn State, they were watching it in the kitchen. They had their Minnesota jerseys on, a Minnesota hat. And it was really cute. Um, so that was a nice feeling for me, you know, feeling that support finally, when for a lot of years it was like, oh, it's video game addiction, or it's not just a hobby, or you can't get money out of this, right? It's just that, that kind of constant spew that everyone hears where, hey, this is like not just a hobby, it's something that I can compete in, earn scholarship money, which now come in fall, we should be earning scholarship money and having partial or even half scholarships, potentially full in the future uh, at Minnesota, which would be huge for me. So that kind of progression um, throughout the years with my family has been really nice. Like my brother would, you know, throw it up on the big screen for my parents whenever I would play on Twitch. And they found that like really cool because they, you know, they say my name and everything. They talk about my where my hometown is. So that was fun. And I think that um, overall, it's been a nice process, but it's not easy. Definitely isn't easy. Yeah. Well, what is not easy? So it's Just, not easy. What do you to, mean? Yeah, I can clarify that. So it's not easy to get parents and older people, I think, into esports because you know <laughs> we've been we've been trying our whole lives we've been playing video games for as a hobby but then when you start playing it competitively and putting more than just a couple hours a day or whatever as you would go outside and play a sport 
it kind of becomes like, all right, dude, like, what's the purpose of this? Um, and so trying to convince them and older people, parents who didn't grow up with that being a popular entertainment scene is really hard. Um, and the, the, the thing that I found most mm -hmm. interesting was when we tried to convince University of Minnesota, these uh, older people that are on the show, or sorry, that are on um, the athletic board, if we want to get their funding, you know, that takes so much work because they aren't, you know, people who play video games. They're guys who watch football and baseball every single day for the past 60 years of their lives. Uh, and it's just different. It's right. different. They don't understand there's value there. They don't understand that it's entertainment for people and people do enjoy watching people play video games. So for me, that whole process has been a difficult convincing people that this is entertainment and it has value. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be so interesting, you know, as, uh, I mean, I want to say our generation and you and I are very far apart in age. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the the gap in between like your parents and when you are an adult, you know, whether you choose to have kids or like the kids that will come to, like when you're 40 years old, all the kids that are in college, how it will look, how much of a part of esports will be of the college experience and just the college atmosphere in terms of, you know, like being able to sell sponsorships against your esports teams. Uh, and how much money you can bring in with those, I think, you know, you'll be able to look back and laugh at how much work you had to put in to get that support and how naturally it will come as part of the future. Uh, because, and even when I was in college and I graduated from college in, in 2008, uh, you know, Rocket League was just a twinkle in somebody's eye. Uh, online competitive games were nowhere near where they are now. Uh, and in, the idea of having like a college team for an eSport was just like not even close to being a thing. Even for something like League of Legends that was, you know, really starting to pick up at that time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. And, uh, you know, folks like yourself that were willing to put in all of that legwork to get it going is is really valuable. Um, so that's, I mean, that's really cool to hear that at least now you have those tan, that tangible evidence to show your parents. And now that, and I feel like too fast kind of shared the same experience that, you know, when he was going into college, he wanted to get a part-time job, but then started streaming and actually turned that into an income. And his parents were like, Oh, you could do this as your part-time job instead of getting like a real job. And it's just the same. Yeah. Uh, so that's, it's, it's really cool to see like when the tangible evidence shows and that's, that's another part of it, right? That when it comes to streaming or playing competitively for someone like yourself, having the evidence of somebody saying your name on a Twitch stream as you're competing for money, that's easy. But then there's, you know, the hundreds or thousands of people out there that are trying to stream or trying to play competitively that don't have the results. And that's kind of like the dichotomy of the whole thing, but I'm going on a tangent again. So you are SSL in Rocket League. Uh, you've won uh, a region. You won the Big Ten side of the Rocket League tournament. So obviously you've been able to create some success for yourself. And you said 
as early as season four and five that you were grand champ. So one thing that I'm always really curious about, and you said that you're competitive. Uh, did you did you play any sports growing up, or you're shaking your head? Yes. yes so yes, yes. And how did that kind of evolve into playing video games? Um, so I grew up playing a lot of soccer and a lot of volleyball. Um, and volleyball was a weird one because, you know, people are always like, oh, volleyball, you know, it's not your typical everyday sport that people play and it's getting more popular. Now, are you, sorry to interrupt. Are you from Minnesota or are you from Illinois? I'm from Chicago. I'm from North of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I have some friends that teach, uh, in the suburbs of Chicago and they talk about, I've heard that there are like actual like men's volleyball teams and that caught me off guard so uh, when you say you're from the chicago area and that you played volleyball that's not as surprising but i don't know how many te- like there's no volleyball teams where i'm from so uh, gotcha. that's interesting as well yeah it's it was very interesting i think my brother got into it he's four years older than me graduated from illinois um and so he played volleyball in high school because he couldn't make the baseball team. We had a very competitive team for, for sports at our high school, very big high school. Um, and so he played volleyball and I saw that and I was like, wow, this is kind of fun. You know, you're just hitting the ball really hard and it's, it's super athletic, super fast paced. Um, and I don't know, I really like that excitement that kind of just rush from playing every single play, every single round was just like, holy crap, this is insane. Um, so I got into it like seventh, eighth grade, and I was kind of playing that alongside soccer, but I decided to drop soccer freshman year of high school because I wasn't good enough to make that team. Um, but volleyball picked up a lot in high school uh, until I broke my back, actually. I have fractured like three, four vertebrae and uh, had to stop playing for a year. And I kind of dropped off after that. Oh, gosh. Up more video ga- yeah, video games became more my thing because you know, for that whole year, I was sitting with a huge back brace around my entire waist, uh, going up to my chest. And uh, I decided, all right, maybe not. You know, they said, if you get injured again, it's not a good idea. I was like, okay, sounds good to me. I'm gonna go play some Rocket League and CS. Wow. It's, I, I was almost wondering if it was going to be some kind of injury situation, because you can even go back to Musty's story, you know, he talks about I, I can't remember exactly how he got the head injury, but he had some kind of head injury, couldn't play sports, picked up Rocket League, and just became really good at it. Right. So um, do you feel like your work ethic from sports and other things like that kind of transitioned over into the video games and like just kind of hooked you the same way the sports did? I would say yes and no. I'd say... Yes, it does, because I feel like it's very similar in that way. If you need to grind skills, you need to practice to improve. But I didn't really feel that as much like that grind um, growing up as like playing sports. I didn't feel that when I would play soccer or, you know, when I played soccer, okay, I'd go free kick the ball a million times with my friends. And that was like felt like a grind practicing, but it never felt like the way it feels playing something like Rocket League or CS. When you're sitting in a death match in CSGO playing that boom, boom, boom for three hours a day when you're sitting in rocket league custom training, doing the same shot 30 times over to make sure that you get that right angle with enough speed to that top corner. It's just different. Um, so that's kind of the no part for me is it, it doesn't feel the same in that way where I feel like I'm grinding a lot harder to do something like an esport uh, to get to the skill level 
that someone in a sport say might be puts in less time, but is just physically built that way or, you know, puts in the grind and of watching and listening and learning that way. Um, so that's kind of the way I see it being different, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, totally, totally. Uh, do you, so going back to when you started really getting good at rocket league, do you feel like that came naturally and obviously it happened fast for you in terms of when you started to getting as good as you got like do you feel like that came pretty naturally to you and you just kind of landed there or going through that time do you feel like there are things that you noticed that you had to work on to kind of move yourself through certain areas um like what do you feel like that process moved like to get you to grand champ so quickly? So I think I did like the whole, you know, whatever low rank to grand champ in like four months. It was actually incredibly quick. I think I went from diamond to diamond one to grand champ in like three months or two months or something. And that was like crazy to me. That was so fast. And a lot of my friends were kind of feeling that way as well. And most of it came from like, having a regiment, having an intense coach. Um, when I was at University of Illinois, Navy Striker, who is my coach and captain at the time, was very intense is a good way to put it. Um, he was, oh, so you had some coaching, like you had somebody kind of guiding you along the way through that process. I wouldn't say coaching. Uh, <laughs> Screaming at you. Yeah, thanks for understanding that one. Yeah, pretty much he would just yell. Um, and I've, so that I've, heard, I've heard some story. I haven't heard stories, but... That name has uh, an energy some about weight. it. Yeah, it has some weight to it for sure. Um, yes. So he was, I mean, he's a good friend of mine now and I enjoy playing games with him and we, we you know, got over our differences, but it was, it was hard and he was a very tough coach because he wanted to win just as much as I did. Um, and so he pushed us really hard and I improved a ton from it. I did, but it was kind of like a, hey, you're this low you know, you need to be up to my level right now. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get there. And I did, I did. It just took a lot of time. Um, and so from that whole process, I kind of learned that, I don't know, I think that, that it was nice having someone push me. Um, and I think I improved quickly due to that. But at the same time, it was really challenging. And I think that it, for a lot of my improvements, so going back to your original question, going from like, low low ranks like bad at the game doesn't don't know what i'm doing to like diamond i'd say that that was like kind of natural it was like all right i'm picking up the mechanics as i play all right i'm kind of understanding rotation no coaching no understanding of anything and then i think around diamond one or two uh was navy he taught me kind of rotation we talked about this three two one thing of you know what position you're playing or whatever and calling that out and that kind of begun my entire understanding of the game at a deeper level um, and so once I had that that solid foundation from his uh, coaching and his teaching, I think I instantly went boom, 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 all the way up to the top. Um, and it wasn't like I was some professional player or anything, but I really was able to compete with a lot of those best players in at least the collegiate scene, which was pretty bad at the beginning, but it moved up quickly to becoming now pretty reputable. Um, and I think a lot of that came from having that guidance around diamond into what is rotation. So I had an idea of where to move forward from you know, just hitting the ball, basically. So you feel like a lot of what helped you improve from that diamond to early GC, because GC in season four and five is way different than what a GC looks like now, right. was 
rotation and decision making. Yeah, because mechanics were big. You know, being mechanical wasn't really a thing back then. It wasn't like, hey, you know how to flip reset. That wasn't really a thing. You know, it was, hey, you right. know how to, you are, you are fast was kind of the term. It was just like, hey, wow, this guy's fast. You know, he hits the ball hard, right? That was, that was the mechanic was speed and hitting the ball. Um, and so once I could get down the idea of a faster aerial and, you know, really beating someone to the ball or hitting the ball, like the, the, the joke that we always had at Illinois, which, you know, if my buddies listen to this, they'll, they'll lose it. But it's, it's the power clear was the joke, which was what Navy would yell at us over and over was power clear, power clear, power clear. Because if you're not hitting the ball hard, if you're not clearing it hard, <laughs> then we're going to lose the game. And so, you know, my one skill I'd say in Rock League that I am the best at now is like those backboard clears where you just slam it down the whole field. That's the one thing I'm the best at because he just yelled at me all the time for it. So that was kind of something I learned. That's not something you wanted to miss. Exactly. Because every time I miss it, I get get the heavy sigh, you know, the, you know, that kind of disappointment. So it was, was (laughs) now use that as an advantage in my gameplay, of course. Yeah, those are, those are so, uh, they, they make me so sad when you get a big clear, like you feel like you relieve a little bit of pressure on your team and then it goes to their backboard and then the other team just sends it right back. It's just like, come, no, I needed a break. Don't give me this ball back. Just keep right, it for right. a second. Exactly. I, and you see that more and more now in RLCS games where somebody will send it all the way from their side. And these guys are getting so good at it that they can almost send it back to the other backboard. Right. And I'm sure, you know, you've been in some of those situations yourself. That's sure. uh, that's a very impressive part of the game. So uh, you and of course, early it, this is really interesting to me. So you feel like early on in the game, you were able to rank up and really improve or play at a higher level because of solid rotation and and decision making. So let me ask you this in. Obviously, the the meta in the game now is different than it was then. Mm. But as a coach, I guess, just generally speaking, if you had to prioritize one over the other, would you say that mechanics are more important or rotational things and decision making is more important? Like if you when you are teaching somebody the game, uh, which would you prioritize teaching them first? And this is a today question, not a not a 2017 question. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, okay. So today, I'd say that the most important thing for getting better is by far mechanics. Um, I think mm. that if you are if you are rotating properly, that's great and all, but you are eventually going to run out of boost. You're eventually going to get smoked to the ball uh, to the point where you're just not good enough. You're not mechanically strong enough. And I've, I've heard a few pros say this. I heard Rizzo, I was watching his stream and he said, if you know how to rotate, you can get to grand champ three or SSL. And I totally disagree with that point. Actually. I think that rotation's big, but these days, especially rotation is kind of non-existent. A lot of the times at the highest rank, it's like rotation is basically based off of who can go and who needs to go to support your team. Um, and it used to not be that way. Um, but these days mechanics are really everything. If you're able to beat a player and then another player, boom, you just beat two players. doesn't matter if you cut your teammate for it. If you beat two players because you're mechanically strong enough to do so, then you will win that game most likely. Right. So it's very Mm -hmm. different from before where I felt like rotation was important and imperative because 
players didn't know what to do. And when they'd cut each other, the mechanics weren't there for a player to solo play three players at once. That just wasn't really a thing. There was no flip reset. There was no air dribbling. There was no uh, ceiling shots, right? But these days, people have that arsenal of mechanics where they can just get past the entire team by themselves if they're good enough. And I think that's the easiest way. That's the thing that I try to teach the most um, to my newest students is, hey, just practice your fast aerial, right? Learn, learn how to air dribble, learn how to flip reset, learn how to get an extra touch on the ball every time you can. And I think that those skills contribute to the improvement way more than, you know, someone who's rotating properly. Yeah, that's that's really intriguing. And I'm, I'm going to do the best that I can to be efficient with my words. It's that's that's really interesting because it's it's almost like I I agree with you that in terms of that mechanics are extremely important and at the same time I I would offer up that people will I'm just going to speak for myself like sure there are things that I try to do in a game that I can't necessarily do consistently like I'm working on it in free play I'm working on it in training packs I get into a game I try to do it but I can't necessarily do it consistently. So, but, and at the same time, I feel like I have good mechanics. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a reasonably good mechanical player. And if I try to do something in a game that I can't do nine out of 10 times and I screw it up or I miss, or I, you know, hit it just a little bit wrong, that can completely throw off my team. So it's it's this weird dichotomy of like when you talk about it that way, uh, I'm one hundred per one hundred percent convinced that I agree with you. And then when I take that a little bit deeper, when thinking about mechanics, mechanics are important, and it's also, you know, how to use those mechanics. You can give somebody a hammer, but if they try and cut down a tree with that hammer you know, it's going to, it's going to take them a lot longer and it's not going to work as well. So it's, it's almost like people that can have good mechanics and don't necessarily know how to use them right or when to use them or how to utilize them uh, can still screw up a team and maybe not progress as far in a rank as they might be able to, if they knew how to use those tools effectively, or if they can't do them as effectively. Does that make sense? Yep. And so I have a kind of counter analogy to that. And it's because I totally, I see what you're saying. Cause that's a very common thing is if you can't execute consistently, then how are you supposed to move up? If you constantly are making that mistake or, you know, you need to have that foundation to put you in the right position to make the right decisions. So I totally see where you're coming from. The one thing I would say in counter is that, you know, if you give someone like a butter knife to cut down a tree, right, you give them the right tool but if that tool is going to take them years to get through that tree, then like, what's the point if their peak could be, you know, so much higher. So if you give someone this big weapon, right, this huge thing, it's not really the tool that you need for the tree, but like, at least you have something that's very strong. And so the peak of a player with good mechanics is very high. That player, if they can get that consistency down, even if they make the rotational mistake, they will absolutely destroy their opponents and move up the ranks because they're harder to play against, uh, harder to read. They have yeah. a bigger arsenal. But when that player is just knows how to Definitely. rotate, but they can't have that mechanical uh, excellence, I see tons of them in my students where, I, you know, in the past I used to coach rotation. And I, by the way, I do coach rotation all the time, and I think it's very important. I, I always, the first thing I coach is that basis of rotation. But 
I think that the mechanics are more important in the long run. You just need to have a solid base so that you know what you're doing in the first place. But it's not like let's focus on rotation, boom, boom, sure. boom. Let's let's hammer down every single fine detail, yeah. decision making, and turning. Um, but I think that if you have yep. those mechanics, you will get further. Yeah. So I I will say that I'm being a little selfish in my thought process because I am yeah. thinking about myself and that like my mechanics are reasonable and I know that there are still lots of holes and that I'm working all that aside. Mm. Uh, I have been playing better and winning more games and feeling better about how I'm playing Rocket League now that I'm making better decisions in Rocket League. And I feel like that was one of my biggest shortcomings. Uh, so I feel like there are diamond threes that could be champ ones if they made better decisions. There are platinum players that could be in diamond if they made better decisions. And at the same time, to your point, which, you know, I think your counter counter was excellent mm. because if both that platinum player and diamond player improve their mechanics and their consistency, uh, both of them would probably able to be able to get into champ and high champ to champ three purely based on mechanics. Uh, and eventually, you know, the decision-making might come along with it. And there are plenty of players that beat other players purely because they can do more than players that don't have the mechanics. Right. So that's, that's, it's, it's kind of that give and take. Cause I have a friend, I have a friend that is in silver right now, uh, and I I will own this, that I have an Epic account that sits around like Platinum just because I haven't spent much time on it. So I played a couple games with him, uh, and he was just so impatient and would cut rotations every now and then. And I said, dude, in, in your games, if you just play a little bit more patiently and let somebody hit the ball at you, you will win more games. Because they will screw up and you'll be able to just clean up the mess. And that's a, a very short-term band-aid to the idea of like winning games and ranking up. And if I said to him, just go into free play, learn how to hit the ball better, work on these five training packs, up right. your mechanics, he will be able to win those games even more. Because when he cuts rotations or he gets impatient, he'll be able to do more with the ball than the other guy. Uh so that's that's very interesting. And I, I appreciate you kind of digging a little bit deeper into that uh, because it, it, it really helps kind of like flesh that out a little bit. So when you were starting at the U of I with Navy Striker then and working on rotations and, and honing that part of your game, and obviously you can only really work on rotations in game, right? Were you spending, was that mostly just like in scrims or with other players at the U of I or were you playing a lot of ranked and were you also spending a lot of time in free play? Like how else were you honing the more mechanical side of your game? So for the mechanical side of my game, the biggest thing was actually watching YouTube content. Um, I think that for me personally, I learned really well visually. Um, if someone tells me, hey, angle your car this way and do this, blah, 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 hit it with this timing. I don't really see that in my head. I'm much more of a visual learner. So when I watch a Kevpert video back in the day and Kevpert tells me, you know, make sure you flip right before or right as you're making contact or make sure you hit the ball after it's bounced so you can get under the ball, hit it higher. To me, that was like really helpful. And I could visually see 
this is the kind of touch I need to be taking. Um, and as a KBM player, which is just a totally weird thing about myself. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Too fast and me. Uh, yeah. Another KBM. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But it was really hard because, you know, every single guy. Oh, but you also come from Counter-Strike too. Yeah. So I have a little bit more experience. Playing. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, the main thing was honestly, I was just oblivious to the fact that it was a controller game. It was, I'm playing on a PC. I buy the game the day it comes out. I'm playing with friends. I didn't have a controller at the time. It didn't say controller experience recommended. So I was like, it's a keyboard game, right? I'm playing keyboard, whatever. Uh, for some reason, it just didn't ring in my head. Hey, this is a car. We're playing a controller game. So I just stuck with it. And I've switched and I can play like GC two or three level with a controller. Um, I've, I've tried so many times to switch. I play on console. I'm like of close skill level with my controller. I just, I can't switch because there's just, the accelerator is just so weird for me. It's just a weird concept and I, I can't do it. I mean, do you feel at, at this point in the game, like there are pros that use keyboard and mouse. Do you really feel like there's any disadvantage or advantage one way or the, I mean, there's pros and cons on both sides, right? Yeah, there's, there's. I would say the pros outweigh the cons for playing on controller still. Um, the biggest thing being that uh, things like stalls are a little, they're easier on keyboard to be consistent, but they're really awkward on keyboard because, I don't mm. know, the way the inputs are is very awkward. The main thing I love is like like uh, doing things like half turns, half flips are very easy on keyboard. It's so easy. Oh, um, yeah. But the, the biggest thing that I find really hard is shooting. I, I struggle so much to shoot on keyboard. Even today, I go on a controller. I haven't played a controller in six months. I'll be a better shooter than I am on keyboard any day. Um, if you tell me to air dribble on keyboard versus controller, I'm a better air dribbler on controller every day. It's it's having that huh. stick, having that, that, that range of motion compared to having those uh, 0 to 100 inputs, 0 1 inputs is is just such yeah. a difference it is it's such a huge difference because i can make that slight adjustment for my air dribble on a controller that keeps the ball under me but when i'm doing that on a keyboard ball goes flying off the side right i'm kind of frustrated um oh but, sure but it's it, so it, it has a big difference and it is a disadvantage still but seeing players like yukio like fruity like torsos those three players in particularly were to me inspiration of like dude you can do this like if they can do it at the highest level then you can do it um, but I do think that it takes more time. Wow. If you're a KBM player today and you're playing in diamond champ, stick with it, but you are going to have to grind harder on the mechanic side to be as good as someone on controller. And I still stand by that belief. Huh? All right. Fair enough. So, okay. So tangent aside, tangent. Yeah. What, what did your, yeah. What did your training look like? So watching people like Kev Burt and watching those YouTube videos kind of gave me an idea of what to do. So when I would go into free play and custom training was kind of growing around then. I did a lot of air dribble maps. I just wanted more control of the ball. Um, so that wall to air dribble map, like the most downloaded Rocket League custom training map by Ip Joker, IP Joker. I love that map so much. I've done it a billion times. So um, that one was really popular. And then there was a few like ground shot packs, just getting consistent with hitting the ball with the right amount of power was the biggest thing. And I think, I still think it is today. One of the biggest skills is just making solid contact and hitting the ball hard and high every single time. Um, you know, if you can do that at mm -hmm. a diamond or a champ level, you will instantly rank up compared to those softer hits that lower to the ground hit. Um, you know, hitting it over people's head will always be better. 
So I think for me back then, that was the biggest thing, grinding that mechanical side of hitting the ball with power, the power clearing, right? Um, and in terms of like the rotation. Power clear, concept, power clear. Yeah, power clear. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to show Navy this afterwards and he's going to lose it. He's going to laugh so hard. Um, but the biggest thing was actually with that rotation, that three, two, one system that players often learn in like the lower ranks and it kind of goes away in grand champ two, three, uh, these days is, is we actually just sat in scrims and we would just yell what number we were. That was our thing back then. It was yelling what number you were. Mm. So it was three, two, I'm one, I'm one, I'm three, I'm two, I'm one. And saying you're one made no sense. Cause like, yeah, you're on the ball. You're the first guy. Um, but it was just this hilarious thing that we did. And it works. I felt like I learned rotation of, okay, the first guy's there, second guy is supporting, and that third guy is back playing defense, making sure we have those clears covered. It's it's funny that you say that you did that. And I'm wondering if, so I want to share this with you, that I remember when Cronovi was streaming once, and maybe it was for a tournament way, way, way like early on, him and Sad Jr., Huh? Oh, okay. Never mind. I thought you were talking about his one v one versus uh, Gambit. It's one of my favorite videos. Oh no! This was like this was when they were playing in a tournament. I think like really old school. You know, Cosmic Aftershock, uh, yeah. wow. first iteration. I feel like when they were talking through comms or trying to figure out how to communicate, Sad Junior suggested that they like say numbers. Like, mm. oh, I'm one, I'm one, I'm two, I'm three. Like, and of course, like way back then, Gibbs was just three because he just right, right. set yeah, in yeah. that. But oh, maybe yeah. like, you know, as they started picking up rotations a little bit more, communicating in that way, uh, I, I find that really interesting that, you know, that you, you bring that up, especially so early on in the game. Um, man, so you feel... It's crazy to me. Do you feel like you understood early on? And again, maybe it's because maybe you had you had the guidance of somebody that was really trying to help you improve. Right. But do you think it became just like a good understanding of the better that I can hit the ball, the more consistent I can hit the ball, the better I'll be? Or was it just that you were driven to be able to do that better? And so you worked on that consistently so it was a mix of both for sure um you know playing on that team with the pressure to you know hit the ball and be consistent it was hard because when you're playing at the top of those college games back then right everybody was like champ three low grand champ that was like the peak of college four or five years ago um and so in that competition uh you know i was whiffing the ball playing against grand champ players and i'm diamond two or whatever I'm just going to whiff because I'm pushed to a speed that I'm not comfortable playing in. So I would, uh, you know, supplement that by trying my best to work on just hitting the ball every single time and doing it in a fast way so that I would not make a mistake. Um, because every time I whiff, you know, that disappointment, that, that, that struggle, it frustrated me. It wasn't just this, this pressure from somebody else. It was, it frustrates me because I, I'm a perfectionist in that way with something like Rocket League where I don't get as mad by it because I lose a game as much as I get mad when the play does not feel good. When, you know, there's not perfection in rotation. There's not perfection in, in, in the touches that I'm taking. You know, when I make that missed touch, I get more frustrated than I do when I lose a series um, in a tournament or something. 
So it's very, very weird, but that was like my grind was to be perfect with every single touch I took. Uh, and I wasn't, but you know, I worked really hard to get to where I think I am now, where I, I am happy with where I'm at in the game. And I think that I've grown so much in from just grinding, grinding, grinding the mechanic side of things, as you're talking about. Do you feel like something has clicked in the past 12 months for you to be able to start winning these tournaments now? Like, have you seen a kind of explosion or uh, growth in yourself recently as a player uh, to be able to do this? Or do you, and again, I don't necessarily follow the collegiate scene. Sure uh very extensively um but are there are there teams that used to beat you that you're pretty confident against against now because of your own improvement and like what are those improvements that you've seen uh for yourself so i think for me this past year has been interesting i've been kind of falling in and out of interest in rocket league like the grind for rocket league obviously i'm always playing it um but i i take 6 or 7 month breaks for the past three years. I've been taking them maybe once a year. Um, and it's just because that grind is kind of gone. I had, you know, for going a little bit out of your question for RLCS, I was actually like a top 32 team. I was pretty close to making RLCS in terms of I was up there and playing against rank A teams competing like a year ago. And this was a, a psionics qualifier where we got uh, really unlucky that actually Sonic servers were down the entire weekend. So they had to move the qualifier to a weekend that I was out of town for. Um, and we had beaten a team that was very good yeah. that first round of the top 128. We smoked a team that was like way higher seed than us. I think we were like in that top 128, I think we were seed like 40 or something. And they were seed uh, 22 or something like that in the second round. I forget what it was, but we beat them. And it was like, this is a great feeling. And then servers go down, announcement comes out you know, all that. So that was kind of like a moment where I felt like I was going to make it very far and I was going to um, potentially make it into the pro scene within six months, right? If I continue that grind, I was on the path to be there. Uh, and then that happened and it kind of stunted my excitement for the game, my grind. And so I spent the next six months playing Valorant, right? Or playing whatever, um, because it was fun. And, you know, I felt like that was rewarding rather than being punished for putting in that time and that grind, putting in that 100 hours every two weeks for three, four months with my team back then um, and then not feeling that success. So it was really frustrating. But going back to your question, um, this past year, I think for me, it was a lot of mental stuff. I haven't been grinding my mechanics. I haven't been improving that much in that category. I've been trying to. But I do feel kind of like a, a not a washed player in terms of that, but it's like these people are faster than me. They're probably more mechanical than me. Um, however, I think I'm way smarter than a lot of the players, and so I'm able to just stay with that skill level and be just as fast, but they're just mechanically better. And so, you know, for me recently, it's been trying to work on those mechanics for the old man here to um, keep up with a lot of those younger college players who are, I know, I know, I know, right. It's all It's all relative. Um, but I do feel that honestly, when I didn't play the game for six or seven months, everybody started to think they're Justin or Musty and they start spinning their car around and hitting the ball a million times. And it's been a big gap this past year in gameplay in North, North America specifically. And so for me, it's been trying to catch up, but really just that mental side for me has been huge. And that's why I've been doing better. So go, go in depth a little bit more for sure. me on that. Like, what are, what are the changes? What are the conversations that you've had with yourself? Like what, what has changed 
to would you say that you're more enthusiastic about the game or you're more committed to the game like really kind of maybe go through how you felt about the game when it when you were down and like how you're feeling about the game now and how you look at the game and yourself in the game differently when i was at my peak it was again probably a year ago or something like that and during that time period i felt like i was i was able to grab an alt account and quickly get it to top 300 in north america in like two weeks or something i would just win 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 my play style was the most aggressive i was reading every single thing that i went for that was like the peak of my confidence in the game um and I felt like I was that young player, that kind of aggressive play style that if I had kept playing then, I probably would have kept going higher and higher. Um, and so transition kind of after that six-month break, I come back and I feel like I, and, and during the six-month break, I wasn't playing competitively, but I was coaching the whole time. I was learning the game. I was learning to coach. I was improving my understanding of the game, um, different play styles, right, all the way up to the top, you know, watching RLCS replays. And from all of that together, I think I just kind of gained an understanding for the game. And now my attitude toward it is more of a respect for the game. And I like I like to see things happening. I like to read things that as, as they happen in the game. Um, and so I really improved in that category. That was like my biggest thing uh, was just trying to understand what's going to happen next rather than I'm going to throw my car at the, at the ball at full speed, Mach 12, right off the ceiling and see if I can win a, a contest. I um, mean, it works, but uh, these days I just don't have that same play style. And it's completely transitioned from being that first man, super aggressive, turning on everything to now the rotationally solid third man who doesn't make mistakes on defense. Um, and so my excitement for the game might have gone down, but now it's more of a a necessity to play for my school and for my teammates. My teammates are two freshmen. They just came to college. They're excited. They have the excitement, right? They have that grind. And for me, it's more of I'm helping them grow. Um, I'm helping the team grow and the program grow and kind of doing my job as that third man to support them in their play style. Wait, so you guys are winning. You won the Big Ten with mm. you. And so, oh, because you kind of been back and forth. So if you, if you had been gone straight through, you would be graduating this year. Yeah. Uh, correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So you're basically like a fifth year senior and then you have two freshmen. Correct. Are there other people in the Minnesota program that just aren't necessarily as good as these dudes that are playing with you now? Yep. Yeah. So we have probably 70, 80 players in the Minnesota Rocket League Discord. And Oh, wow. I mean, that's small. I mean, Purdue has like 70 or 80 grand champs. I mean, like there, there are schools that have uh, literally, you know, their entire school is, is grand champ. How, <laughs> Pretty much. How, how big is the University of Minnesota? Uh, it's one of the biggest universities in north america actually i think it has population wise it, it, it like, goes like texas and texas a&m and then minnesota or something like is that. it i i couldn't remember if it was minnesota or ohio state that is just like an ungodly both yeah both huge i think yeah texas a&m is like seventy five thousand students undergrad or something and then like minnesota's you know somewhere below that and then ohio state there's there's somewhere around there but it's okay. huge, huge so but you only have like 70 people in the discord yeah it's, it's so it's then so random were you a part of the team last year? In in summer, I was so in that summer, previous summer, 
uh, that was when I decided I was going to go to Minnesota. So I reached out to the Minnesota Rocket League guys because I knew a couple guys through Big Ten tournaments in the past with Illinois. And I said, hey, I'm coming to Minnesota, and I'd love to work with you guys, see if I fit into your team. And at this point, this was during, like, my peak. So everyone was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's coming to Minnesota. Like, this is going to be awesome. Um, so when I did start working with them, I realized that we weren't really that great. We had a few grand champ players and I was kind of the highest one there. Uh, and then these two freshmen come in who I didn't know about, but I did know personally, um, randomly they decided to go to Minnesota. And so it worked out perfectly that we could start working together and playing together that previous summer. So we played in the CCA summer series, which is a college tournament for 25 K. Um, and we mm -hmm. did okay. I think we got top 16 or something. And then in fall and spring, we were just short of making the Collegiate Rocket League, um, which is that main premier league with $75,000 of prizing. Yeah. We were like that bubble team that was one game off. Um, and then in spring, we played in Play VS, which is another $75,000 collegiate tournament. And in that, we placed, I believe, fourth. And so we ended up getting oh, 2000 wow. or something like that. I think it was like 5000 something like that prizing. Um, so that was a really good achievement for us. And then transitioning to the summer, this level next tournament has been really fun for us. And we're super excited to see where that goes throughout the summer and then into what will be the college summer series again. So then how did you how did you go about deciding that these two freshmen were going to be like the guys? We did. Try were they, are they just is is oh, OK. How do you how do you do tryouts for a team? Because you're playing three v three, right? But right. you want to find the best players. So what did was it like you and then maybe a coach and you were running trials of teams? Like what did what did that look like? So it's interesting when you have um, for schools like Minnesota. Um, it's interesting because we had one player at the top and then two players who were very respected and then a few other players that were very close in skill. So it was almost like chemistry matching. It was mm -hmm. what two players work best with this player um, or what players work best in general, right? It wasn't like I was set in stone. Hey, you're the A guy, you're the A team guy, but it was like, Hey, who do you work best with was a lot of the question. And so then we did a kind of voting for teams. So it was myself was voting on what team should be made. And then it was uh, a couple managers of the Minnesota rocket league program who had been there for a few years, they watched all of our, uh, we did 3v3 scrims with a group of maybe 11, 12 players. And from that, they said, hey, every player, every manager, put your three teams, the A, B, and C team for Minnesota, and then let's see what matches, where the most overlap is. And then from that overlap, the rosters were decided. So that's a kind of unconventional okay. way of doing things, but it was the way we decided how teams were, and they've been pretty similar since then. How long have these, like, are the managers, the people that are kind of like running the program, are they still students? Like, is it all student run or are they graduates that are still like helping out? What does that look like? So back then, Marksman, who is a pretty popular figure in the Rocket League community, um, he was the a senior and he was managing everything. And then um, Karn, who, if you know Alpine Esports, that, uh, mm -hmm. that org, he actually, it was actually started by Karn. He's like some 19 year old whiz. 
Um, he goes to Minnesota and he's the current manager of the entire Minnesota Rocket League program. So he's But he also owns Alpine Esports. He started Alpine when he was like sixteen or seventeen, something like that. And and it grew and then he got sponsors and now he's a full time job managing. I mean, yeah, he's a he's a whole separate story. You should talk to him sometime. He's crazy. Um Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. That that's crazy. What a what a cool wow. That's yeah, he's a very, very, very cool person. Very, very cool person. Um, but huh. he worked hard. Interesting. So he's, one of the, he's one of those managers with Marksman. And then I kind of joined in as, hey, you're kind of going to be on this best team. So let's have your opinion weigh a lot because you're the one who's going to be playing, right? Um, yeah. So that was the way it was decided and the way we picked that roster. And, and since then, we've stuck with it. It hasn't been easy, but I'd say that our team mindset is very strong. Everyone's very... You know, no one's that quiet guy who just sits there and goes, I'm, I'm up, you know, I'm going for the ball, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That, that bad, mental, bad mentality, everybody has a solid, positive mentality, and it works well for us. Good, good. Let, let's go back to this whole thing where you guys are performing well in this qualifier, servers mm-hmm. go down, you can't play, so right. your legs kind of get taken out of you. Yeah. out from under you how are you feeling at that time i was really frustrated it felt like and my teammates were too and this is not my minnesota teammates back then it was uh two players shawnee boy and jingles town who were players towards the top of the game as well um and we were all disappointed because we had grinded scrims we had been playing these competitive teams we'd been playing every tournament four times a week right we were making that push um and it just unfortunately you know that was kind of crushing I mean, that's a good way to put it because it really was for me. And I didn't talk about it much to people or really be like, ah, yeah, it was frustrating. It was just a really disappointing time because I was so close to making it or so close to being in that that zone where people respect you at the highest level. And I can get scrims with those rank A uh, teams. But then we just kind of fell away because everyone, all three of my teammates, we were all just so disappointed from that. And, you know, the next opportunity for our LCS would be five, six months away, or maybe, maybe, maybe four or five months away. And um, because I think it was going into the summer. And so at that moment we were like, well, you know, do we keep grinding for the next four months or do we just say, let's take a break? Cause that was frustrating. And so it, it was that latter decision of, Oh, so that's, th- yeah, go ahead. That's when it was just like the two seasons a year. Um, yes, it was, it was that two seasons a year. That was right before they implemented the RLCS X format. And, it was at okay. that moment where they were, I think it was the world, the um, world championship happened and it was that last qualifier before worlds. So if you didn't make it there, you're not going to make it. So it was kind of like, all right, well, I guess we have to wait right. that huge length of time before we have an opportunity to play again. I mean, you, you said you like took a significant break from the game. So right. what, what, were your overall feelings about the game in general did it really just feel like i i i don't know how to describe it but like what what were you telling yourself or what were you feeling that you went from being on such a grind to playing something else completely yeah um it was kind of the best way to describe it was a loss of drive you know like there's that drive that competitive urge to I want to get on the game every day I want to practice my mechanics I'm feeling that improvement um, and I was feeling that improvement and then right after it kind of went away it was like oh I'm plateauing again my skill level is not really getting better 
you know, I tried to continue playing, but it was just kind of gone. And, and when you're the, at that level of the game, I think one thing that people really underestimate is how often you can just plateau. You know, you, you reach that skill level, and if you don't know how to continuously look for things to improve on or you don't have those goals to reach, you can be stuck at Champ 3, you can be stuck at Grand Champ 2, you can be stuck at now SSL, and just sit there. And you can be there for months and months, even years, if you don't have the right mindset to continue improving. And so for me, I wasn't in the right mindset of, oh, I have a goal, because there was no goal, right? It was, well, my goal was kind of shattered, and I don't have another goal for the next six months, and I didn't have the drive to sit there for six months and continue playing the game when there wasn't something exciting for me to continue grinding for, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So what was it that, maybe what was it that brought you back and how did you shift your mindset or how you thought about the game, how you looked at the game that has reinvigorated you over the past few months? Um, so the biggest thing was going to Minnesota and finding these teammates. And even once I had found them, uh, they were frustrated with me because I didn't want to grind the game. You know, they were like, let's scream three times, four times a week. And I was like, dude, I just want to play Valorant or dude, I just want to, you know, play the game for fun. Or I want to go play League of Legends, something just to mess around and have a good time with friends. Um, and that was kind of unacceptable. And as we kind of came towards the end of our fall season this last fall, uh, I really felt this grind because of a one series we had where we dominated a team that we kept losing to. It was Colorado State University, and we were always losing to them. And, you know, they had some players on their team that are some figures in the community that are not so liked. And so um, for us, it was it was like, man, we just want to beat them. And we were playing on the stream for the fall, and we defeated them uh, 3-2, beat them in game five. And that was like the best feeling for me of – I was finally able to defeat this team that was so frustrating. And it, I wasn't even having that grind or that drive before. But as soon as I get in matches, by the way, I have that ethic where I can I can go straight to super competitive mode of I'm going to win this series no matter what it takes. Um, but when you are, you know, when you finally get that success and you feel like, wow, this work we did over the last four months actually paid off. It wasn't like we worked all this for nothing. It actually paid off. I felt that success. And so I instantly decided in my head, all right, well, I'm back in now. And since then, I've been just grinding the game. Um, and and a lot of it was coaching, and that kind of got me back into it as well. Seeing my students grow kind of felt like, wow, for me, I could do the same thing, right? You know, if I, if I can coach someone and see them grow from, um, you know, one of my students went from silver to, to champ three in the past year. Um, and that was, like, insane to me. Like, I brought this kid from nothing to – now being a top percentage player. Um, and obviously it's not all me, it's his work. But in the end, I felt like that was so much success um, kind of vicariously through him that for me, that drove me to want to improve myself because I knew if he could do it, I could do it. Which sounds cheesy, but it really is the way that I it's It's 100% true though, as cheesy as it might be. That's that's awesome. So right. if if there was somebody in your shoes and it's tough because everybody is not necessarily competing for RLCS spots, right? And obviously, you know, right. uh, if you're SSL, you kind of hit that top place and there's places to grow in SSL as well. If your real goal is RLCS and that only comes around every few weeks, I mean, it's more consistent now thanks to RLCS X. 
but say right. like you're an SSL Definitely. player that's been trying to get in scratch that. If you are, if there is a player out there that has just kind of lost motivation for the game, no matter what rank they are, do you feel like you, mm. what, how would you use your experience to help them, uh, be reinvigorated for the game obviously if somebody just wants to put down the game they want to put down the game whatever but if somebody comes to you and is is like do people normally call you fat like that's that's the name that you have or do people call you something i feel weird saying fat but is is, is that like what most people call you so do you mind if i tell a story really quickly of how this came to be because it'll help no not that's no totally it's it, yeah, so, please go so right ahead. It started when I was like a kid. I when I came out, I was a little bit bigger. Um, <laughs> it was a nice way of putting it. I was a large baby, and so my brother, who's four years older than me, would call me fatty, um, with a ph because my mom said that with an f it was too mean and it was offensive. So he called me ph, and my whole life growing up until maybe when I was like eight or nine, they told me that ph meant it was cool. So they were like, "Oh, if you're called fatty, that means you're cool." Right. So I was like, all right, I'm cool then. And so the longer nickname, which sounds absolutely hilarious every time I tell this was my brother actually would call me Fatty Pants McGee, the 45th. <laughs> don't know where we got 45. Don't know where the pants come from or the McGee. No clue why this is a thing, but it's it somehow set in stone that that was my nickname. So growing up, that was my my name in game was Fatty Pants McGee, the 45th. Nice. Um, and then it slowly shortened to, it was like Fatty one Sizzle on Xbox, because I thought that was <laughs> sick. You know, adding in that Sizzle at the end, I was like, that's sick, man. Yeah. Yeah, Sizzle. Um, so then that shortened to Fatty one That was like my RuneScape username growing up, Fatty one when I was like eight or nine years old. Um, and then from there went to fatty and then fat and then that's where we are now so people like in my discord the people i I think my discord is like a few hundred people now and people just sit in there and hang out and play games every day and i would say that it's around 50 50 the people who play games every day with me would definitely say nick um but the people who you know jump in or they know me through collegiate rocket league will come in and they'll say fat and it sounds weird to me. Sometimes my high school friends will just hop in Discord, and when we're playing a game, they'll say, fat, come over here, fat, do this. And I'm like, dude, stop. I, I can't do it. You can't call me that. That's just so weird. Um, but it's a nickname that I just kind of have adopted. And, you know, the funniest thing is that my parents sometimes call me that, like, actually. Not as not as a joke, like, because I grew up, my mom was like, fatty, dinner, right? That was, like, an actual thing that she would call yeah. me. And it was so funny to me. Like, like I grew up naturally hearing this. But I now realized, you know, a few years ago, like, oh, I guess that was kind of not a normal thing. Right? Yeah. That was just, you know, people didn't have the nickname of being called Fatty. But that is kind of the origin story. Or just having a nickname, you know, that your mom would use and then transitioning that into like a, a gaming thing. Like gaming things do not have the kind of backstory like that. It's like, oh, you know, I got an Xbox and it gave me a name and that's just what it is. Uh, clearly I am extremely leader 23. Yeah. And clearly I'm extremely uncreative and could just never come up with something. <laughs> and so I, I just stuck with the name that I've had my entire life, but, uh, it is what it is. No, I, I appreciate, okay. I appreciate right. you sharing that story. Cause that's, that's really funny. Um, okay. Well, mm. um, Anyways, I still don't really know what to call you, uh, but that's fine. So if there was somebody that wanted, 
that really wanted to uh, get back into the game, even though they were feeling a little less motivated at this moment, like how would you, how do you think you would work with them to kind of reinvigorate them or, or find that motivation again? So it really depends where you're at. Um, the best way to get yourself back into something to me is when you start to see improvement when you, when you kind of force yourself to try and improve, um, the biggest thing for players, I'd say they're in like champ, champ one, two, three. Um, a lot of those players don't really have the mechanics like flip resets and air dribbles and those things down. So I can instantly recommend that those players try a new mechanic because when you start to see improvements, even like, you know, those players at champ three, at what rank are you, Tom? I, I, you keep saying, you know, you're talking playing rocket. I'm in champ two right now. That was kind of my guess based off the way you were talking. It sounded like you were in like the, the, the mid champs. And so like in that skill level, if you haven't mastered a flip reset or if you haven't even tried it yet, like if you're bored of playing ranked and you don't know what to do, hop on that train. Cause you've improved so much to be a champ two player that if you were to try flip resets right now and say you hadn't tried them before, it, you would learn them quickly. If you put yourself to it and you watched YouTube tutorials, you would learn quickly and that improvement just in that skill itself would be enough to spark that interest in the game in total. And that's the way I feel about it is if you can improve, if you feel improvement, then you will enjoy playing the game. Um, for me personally, and that might be a pretty narrow point, like very linear view on things, but as a coach, right, my students usually only have fun when they A, see improvement or B, win. And if you're not winning because you know, you're bored of the game or you don't care about winning as much, then improvement is the other way to enjoy the game. Uh, so that's my biggest recommendation is try a new mechanic. Uh, if you're at a higher level, a lot of what I recommend is just playing with friends. Um, if you play with your friends and, and kind of help them improve, it can spark that kind of interest in the game again. So for me personally, um, I play on Smurf accounts probably 90% of the time when I'm playing Rocket League. And they're usually like I'll sit around 1,900 when I'm, when I'm grinding a season, 1,900, 2,000 MMR. Um, but the recent seasons, I've been sitting at like 1,700. I barely even play the game ranked. But, I, you know, throw me in an SSL lobby and I'll easily beat everybody. Or, you know, I'll be fine, right? I'll, I'll be fine. I'll easily but, beat everybody. Yeah, yeah, I'll beat every single player. <laughs> no, but I, I would hold up totally fine. And, and I do queue with SSL players often. But when you, you know, when I'm smurfing at 1,700, 1,600 with some friends, that's where I feel the most enjoyment because I'm helping them improve and we're working together to win games and, and, you know, I'll be coaching them as we play. And that has really sparked interest for me because I get to see them improve, which kind of, again, vicariously allows me to feel like I am enjoying the game more. So, so really it's about trying something new, trying a new skill and improving that. Um, and or playing with friends and working on you know together as a group playing playing in tournaments that kind of excitement from playing you know that that adrenaline from a tournament can almost always spark that interest again um and the third thing i would say for someone who's not sure what they want to do or how to get back into it is is watch the esport if you watch rlcsx from the beginning of the season there's no doubt that you will want to play the game at some point because it's so exciting to see these teams and the storylines that are built that it usually always motivates a player to get back into the game. Nice. I, I appreciate the, the bonus third option. Uh, and so kind of a, a continuation of that question, and this might be out of the realm of possibility, but I'm just curious if you have any thoughts because there are plenty of people. There are some people, you know, that listen to my podcast that are just like, Oh, I, 
you know, I don't like spending any time in free play. I don't like training. I just, you know, when I open Rocket League, I just hop in the game and I start playing. So in terms of like improving or working on the game, you know, is there is there a way to kind of find that motivation? You say get better. Um, or would you have anything to say to somebody that doesn't enjoy training to like motivate them to actually try it? Or how would you suggest somebody get into the concept of training so that they find enjoyment in it? Or like, what are your thoughts on somebody that's just like, I, you know, free play isn't for me. Training packs aren't for me. Well, that's kind of a harder point then, because in the end, the game is, you know, it's, if you are going to play Rocket League, um, and you don't work on your mechanics or you don't work on a you know, rotation, that kind of thing, you're not going to naturally really get better in Rocket League. You know, it happens up until a certain point, but then you won't just improve from playing the game uh, for a lot of players or for, you know, a huge portion of players. Um, and so it takes that extra step of going into training or doing whatever. And so if you don't find enjoyment in that, then I'm not sure what to say about that. It's, it's very hard because if you don't enjoy doing that training or you're even trying a new mechanic, even if it's just in game, then it's hard to say that you would enjoy playing the game more if you don't like trying something new, right? It's kind of like, you know, if you eat the same food, if you make chicken parm every single night for dinner, then you're going to love chicken parm, um, but you might get sick of it. But if you don't try something new, then, you know, you're going to hate eating dinner every night because it's chicken parm, mm -hmm. right? You need to try something new and try that new experience, throw yourself in the deep end, or else you're just going to keep eating chicken parm every night. And of course, it's going to be boring, right? It's kind of like, you know, the question is, how do I unstick myself from being bored with this game or not feeling motivated, but you're not willing to try something new, or you're not willing to push yourself in a region that you might be somewhat comfortable with something like training. If you're not willing to push yourself, then you won't be outside of your comfort zone. And you won't feel that enjoyment, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think I'm trying to cuz I've been loving training over the past month or so and and getting getting a lot out of it and feel like I'm, you know, making progress, which has been awesome for me. Uh and I I'm right. really happy that I've been spending the time doing it. So I'm think I'm just trying to like you know, if if somebody said to you, you know, I want to get better and free play is just so boring. Like mm. what, like, I just, I just, I find yeah. I'm so excited, like actually playing games, just kind of like driving around in free play is boring to me. Yeah. Um, so one recommendation I do have is if you have a game on steam workshop maps are hilarious and amazing. Um, you know, there are so many workshop maps that don't make it feel like you're in training. Don't make you feel like you're in free play or custom training. It feels like you're, you're just playing a mini game kind of, and it, it does, incorporate those skills something like the dribble overhaul maps they're frustrating and they push you to play the game harder um there's this map air dribble hoops that i've been in love with where it's basically just trying to air dribble the ball and all these scenarios into these big basketball hoops um and it's it's super challenging and that one really pushed me and i was hating training as well and i just played that and i was like wow this is super fun um there's been this recent map that's that's been this thousand euro competition for this map that's this insane air dribble car control uh dribbling control everything map and that again has been pushing myself and many others to play custom training so i do think that custom training in maps is like like workshop maps is very exciting can push you 
to that next level. Um, otherwise, it can be really hard to kind of get yourself back into it. Um, one thing I would say is if you actually get a coach and that sounds like, you know, poking my own fire or something, but like if you, you know, if you can get a coach that again, if you're really interested in the game, I have had people come to me and say, uh, I'm not really enjoying the game right now. And just getting a coach, someone who looks at your gameplay and teaches you something, someone to tell you of like, Hey, you're doing this wrong. Or, um, you know, that kind of live coaching can make it so you don't have to go into free play and go train a mechanic you can really go just go into ranked and try those things you've been told to do. Mm -hmm. um, so that if, you know, to answer your question directly on what would I say exactly, I'd probably say, let's look at a replay together. Let's see what's going wrong or, you know, what's going wrong. Cause there's always going to be something going wrong. Right. But what are some things that we can work on in the moment right now that improves your game? And the moment you jump into your ranked game or your, whatever you're playing with your friends, casual, you can actively work on that mechanic or even have it in the back of your mind um, and sometimes that would be a good thing to get you into the game, get you working again, get you motivated, despite you not enjoying doing something kind of more rigorous, like sitting in training. Hmm. I think, I think the coaching idea is interesting as well, because then it, I think some people like for me, for instance, I am not, I know that I should be working out exercising. It's not something that I do on a consistent basis. And I think that if I had a friend or somebody that held me accountable to something like that, like a coach would in Rocket League, I would probably be more consistent with it. So that's that's very interesting. And even the idea of like, I think free play can become very monotonous, like in a, and this is no, not a slight on Sunless Khan, but you know, in a few of his videos, he said, I mean, he hasn't talked about training for a really long time, but in his older videos, he would say, you know, just go into free play and chase the ball around for a while and just like hit the ball around as hard as you can, as fast as you can. And so that is just like a go-to and you might feel like you're quote unquote training when you do that. And it can become very mindless, very quick. And I've found a lot of enjoyment in free play recently because I've found things that I struggle with and again, I've been finding that thing to improve on and that's made free play a lot of fun. So it's almost like at the same time, maybe getting a coach that can show you, Hey, you struggle with this and this is how you can work on it in free play then gives you that kind of something to work on something to motivate yourself. And like kind of going back to the, the first thing you said in terms of having something to improve on and kind of work towards. Yeah. You know, what's so funny about that is that actually is one of the things I do really often in my coaching is um, there's a video by Squishy um, a while ago, a few years ago, and it's called like 20 minutes of my 20 minute free play warm up. Yeah. 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 Like that. And it's 20 minutes of him doing free play. And it seems like such a monotonous training routine or something, but I actually find so much value in his free play um, even if it's a few years ago, because what he's doing is the whole time he's, he's doing different things. He has like segments almost, you could like break down this video and do a lot with it. And I tend to do this with students, someone who says, I'm not sure what to do in free play. What do I do? Which is pretty common actually as a question. I usually say, let's look at this video together and I'll explain to you the things squishy does. And I want you to try them. So his first segment is something like just smacking the ball off kickoff. And then he goes into, I'm going to wave dash on the walls. I'm going to wave dash around the whole map, just getting my speed up, giving my movement, getting the crispy mechanics, and then jumps into, I'm going to air dribble the ball, double tap it, 
try to do these crazy angles, hitting the ball around, um, and then wave dashing in between every single touch. So I'm moving as fast as possible. And so it's, and, and then it transitions into more um, spinning his car and doing more complex mechanics. And so in these segments, you start to see that, wow, this is not just, as you said, monotonous free play, as maybe Summers Khan might have put it. Although um, that's how I'm putting it. Like, sure. It, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't, gotcha. yeah. I see what you're saying though. Right. And so, you know, it's not just, sorry, it's not just like going as fast as possible, hitting the ball, right? It's the idea of I'm having an actual kind of things I'm doing in here. And that can kind of, again, make free play better, right? For me, definitely. sometimes it does become a little bit more monotonous. Um, but I really try to push myself to, you know, read things faster um, and, and push myself to do a mechanic that I'm not comfortable with. Like recently I just sit in free play and I just do double flip resets. Um, and you know, a few weeks ago I was hitting them like 5% of the time and now it's like 60% of the time. And so it's really fun to see that I can do this mechanic more consistently, um, just from sitting there and tr training that in between doing air dribbles or whatever the heck else I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So having that mechanic, number one, and having kind of things you're doing in free play is much better than just going, I'm going in free play. I'm going to free play with the ball. Just go around. Right. You need to have direction. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, that's one of the main things with coaching is you need to have a direction or else you're just going to be plateauing and sitting there at the same skill level for three years. Like I did. <laughs> Unfortunate, but it's all right. It's common. It is. I, well, and you know, uh, it's, I think, I think that's the most interesting thing about it for me is that, you know, I, and I've, you know, I have, I've had this podcast for almost two years now off and on, you know, there have been a couple of breaks in there uh, and it's been about improvement the right. whole time. And there might've been like little things here and there that I've improved on. Uh, and I would say that I haven't necessarily, um, internalized any core mechanic or core improvement on a skill up until like the past couple of months. Mm -hmm. And now I'm really starting to feel a lot more confident in things where, you know, I might practice double taps uh, a year ago, you know, I might've spent a week practicing double taps and I would hit them every now and then. And I wasn't necessarily teaching myself or learning how to actually do them, if that makes sense. Like I wasn't internalizing how to get a good first touch to lead into the second touch to get the read off the back wall to actually score the goal. It was more, can I randomly hit this? Going for a double touch. Yeah. Can I randomly hit this five times out of 10? and then feel good about that, but then come back and only do it like two times out of 10 uh, and not really know the difference in between the two. And now I'm actually like, oh, if I want to hit the ball this way, this is what I have to do. And so I practice doing that thing. And then after I am able to do this part of it, then this part comes up and I have to be able to do this a little bit better. So like actually understanding the intricacies of all of those things um, has really helped me improve which it to the surprise of no one yeah so that's 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 been that's been a lot of fun i think it's super interesting though the way you put it where you said that you know the intricacies of this mechanic was the reason that you were able to fully improve on it rather than just doing the mechanic right and i think that's a huge problem for players is 
someone I'll be coaching very common. This actually happened a week ago. One of my students was saying to me, I want to learn how to flip reset. And I've been doing it in free play for weeks and I can get the flip reset sometimes. He's like, you know, I looked at an arsenal. I saw, I saw arsenal do a flip reset in his video. So I tried to do it that way. Um, blah, 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 blah. And I was sitting there thinking, this really is the way that people learn mechanics and no one is telling this person the intricacy, as you put it, of that mechanic. And so I think for me, one of the biggest things, you know, for talking about improvement, right, is, is actually, and I, 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 again, will be recommending coaching or just, if you know someone who's better at the game or someone who's higher ranked or very high ranked, ask them that question of what is like, look at my form, what am I doing wrong? Um, and it sounds so like, it's like, I mean, the way you have to view it is like you're playing golf, right? You have your swing, you have your form, the way you, you have your hands um, around the golf club. That matters so much, your form, the way you're you're hitting the ball, that in the end, if you're not doing that in something like Rocket League, how are you going to improve, right? You have to think about it very equally in terms of if someone's not critiquing your form, um, you know, you can, you can watch and try to learn through that, but you won't get that perfect intricacy um, if you don't try. And so... For me, you know, whenever someone's like, I want to learn how to flip reset, it's not, hey, here's this training pack, go to a flip reset. Here's a YouTube tutorial. Um, because that they won't tell you the angle at which you want your flip reset or the way you should approach it or, um, you know, how to do each shot of this training pack, right? Because that's helpful knowing, okay, I want to hit it on the 45 degree angle because it pushes the ball forward, but also I can fall and then hit the ball again rather than thinking, okay, I just need to go under the ball or I want to flip reset on the side of the ball or on top of it because that'll push it down or up away from you or to the side, right? You need to learn the angle which you want to get a flip reset before you can actually flip reset well and consistently. So that is like, and as you put it, double touches, right? That first touch is so integral to having a good flip, re uh, to having a good double touch. You have to hit that first touch right straight ahead and be able to follow it. And one of the biggest things they don't tell you is, you know, you have to be patient on the second touch, right? They don't say it. People don't say, oh yeah, be patient on the second touch. It's okay to stop boosting and slow down and think about that read. So that's what I've been doing the most when I, when I teach double touches is it doesn't matter if you, you know, can double touch it, like you said, five times out of 10, um, but you can't execute it in the game when it's not your perfect setup angle. Right. It's about, can you understand the intricacy of, that first touch needs to be solid. You want to try to hit it as straight as possible if you're going for just a normal double touch. And then that second touch, be patient, slow yourself down, and think before you make that, that you know, just boosting straight forward and making that angle tighter and tighter and tighter for yourself. Right, exactly. It's, it's being able to create that scenario for you from anywhere. Like I equate it to, mm. um, you know, being able to take one shot from a wall air dribble pack and hit that consistently over and over again. And then looking at a player like Forky that can turn any ball <laughs> off of the wall into an air dribble. Like his, his ability to control the ball is just mind boggling. Ridiculous. And there's, there's a clear difference in between the two. And w once I decided to, actually pay attention to how to be able to do that a little bit better. Like I still can't do it. Right. But at least I know that when I screw something up off the wall, it's not just happenstance, you know, like I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. I hit the ball in a, in a way that I didn't want to, 
whether whether that is where I hit the ball or how I came off the wall or am I going too strong or did I get above the ball? Am I too far below the ball? Is my car not in the right angle as compared to like where I am with the ball? Like all of those little things matter. And that's where that's why intricacy or detail is such an important word for me when it comes to Rocket League now, because that's truly what separates a player uh, like me. And at least like I understand it a little bit, but then there are players that can actually execute it every single time. Like uh, there, I can't remember which series it was this past weekend in the NA major. Uh, but one of the casters was just like, basically all they're doing is just trying to show off and air dribble the ball back and forth at each other and see who can get past more defenders. And I had said that right before, um, and it wasn't necessarily the best decision for these teams in the Rocket League game because they were literally just air dribbling the ball back and forth at each other. But at the same time, they could create these air dribbles out of nothing. And they understand how to take the ball off of a dribble, off of a bounce, off the top of their car, and create these situations for themselves where the average rocket league player or even the above average rocket league player like champ one champ two can't just manifest those situations because they don't know there there isn't like a commitment to knowing the like fine fine motor skills of rocket league and that's that's what i'm trying to teach myself and that's what i'm trying to learn now and it's taken my game to a completely different level and my understanding of the game like you said earlier like just the respect that you have for the game now is something that motivates you more like my understanding and my respect for the game has gone up because i'm paying attention to what this game takes more and more and it it drives me to be able to do it and i i see that because when i'm you know when i'm coaching someone and they they're around that skill level when you when you just play the game and you hit the ball you can get to diamond you can get to you know those ranks up there these days and and that's just from you know we have a friend or i have a friend that is never gotten coaching he's never played ranked by himself all he's done is three queued with my other friend who's like gc3 and myself and he has gotten to yeah right and so we're queuing at grand champ two or three every single time we play with this guy and he's probably like a mechanically like a champ one or diamond three player but he can compete in grand champ one grand champ two or higher and it's so weird that he can do that because that that makes no sense it goes completely against everything but the thing is he just has that brain and he figured out the intricacies of where he needs to be and what he needs to do to get a win like that's all he has you know he doesn't flip reset he doesn't air dribble the ball he just is in the right position he hits the ball perfectly he knows where to hit it. He knows how to get around players. Um, and that's kind of one of those examples of, of, you know, again, if you just understand the intricacy of high-level play, then it the game is so much deeper than it seems when you're that diamond or plat player. Oh, my gosh. Like, Dude, I know what, I, I'm so good at the game. I can hit the ball, man. And it's just completely different when you go to that next level. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, uh, it it's, it's crazy. Because I, I was watching some diamond replays the other day, and the thing – that I notice about the gameplay is just like 
they hit the ball, but where a GC player would know exactly how they're going to hit the ball and where it's going to go, a diamond player will just drive up to the ball and want to hit it and successfully hit it, but not necessarily know where it's going to go. Like there's no continuation of the play. There's no plan of like, and some, it's not every single time. Right. But I would say three at like 60% of the time, a diamond player has no idea where the ball is going to go because they just, or there's no plan. Yeah. And they, they might have a plan or they might have an idea of where they want to hit the ball, but cannot execute that on a consistent basis. And that's, that's just the biggest – I mean, Rocket League changes so much when you're like, I want to hit the ball there, and then it actually goes there. Like that it's, – it's, exactly. it's, it's just completely different. Let me, let me ask you this. So, well, I'm, I'm curious about a couple things because you're are – you, are you going to be playing in college Rocket League again then next year? Like do you have a full year that you're going to be playing again? Yes, I will. Yeah, I'll have the entire year, maybe the following summer, if they want to have me play. But, you know, things change. Players come to the school. Who knows? Maybe next year, three players that are professional players come to the school. You know, who knows? Sure. Um, but, yeah, as of now, the plan is I'll be playing for the next year and probably into the following summer um, before I graduate. Is there any point coming up in the next four or five months since we're coming up to summer that there isn't necessarily anything for you to play for. Like, do you, as things are winding down, do you feel that motivation coming down for you at all? Or do you, do you even feel motivation to like improve right now? Or is it mostly just like in, are you in like a maintaining kind of cycle for yourself play wise? I'm in somewhere in between. And I'm glad you asked me that actually, because it's, it's interesting. Like you'd think after winning a big cha- big 10 championship um, and, and that being a pretty monumental event with every team in there being full supersonic legend teams or very close to uh, for some of the bottom teams. But after winning that, you'd think it would be like full motivation. We just won. I'm ready to move on to this national championship, but actually my motivation is a little bit lower. Um, you know, for me personally, it is kind of like maintaining and and I still do play the game, but it's more out of like, hey, you need to play the game, right? You need to you need to keep up with your skills in these next couple of weeks. Um, but I think most of that comes from you know us going into a tournament where we are a huge underdog in this national championship. I think that we're you know out of th- out of the twenty four teams that will be in it, will be like fifteenth, sixteenth, something like that, right? We're not in that top echelon of players there, um, and so for us. You know, it'll be a great competition. It'll be super fun and competitive. And we're, we're, we're today we have scrims. Tomorrow we have scrims. The next day we have scrims. Next week we're scrimming three times uh, in the week. And so there is the drive there, and I'm excited about scrimming there. But for me, the improvement is more of, hey, as a team, what can we do to make our play better? Um, which is very big in the collegiate scene. It's less about individual performance, and it's more about who can have the best team chemistry, who can – you know, have that solid rotational foundation, which is very different from things like the RLCSX grind, where it's basically three players, stick them together, see if they don't hate each other and see if it <laughs> kind of works. And then maybe they make it to the professional scene, um, which is, it sounds hilarious and you laugh, but really that's kind of how it is. You know, you see on Twitter, people will make a team and two months later they break up, right? Yeah. And 
you know, or even a few weeks later, you know, who knows, or even the same day it's happened. I saw that on Twitter, you know, a few months ago, team is made, player gets kicked that same day, comes back and he's now on the team again. And it's like, wow, it's just crazy how that, that turnaround is so quick. And it's due to these players just not being mature enough to realize that it's about building that team chemistry. And it's not just going to be the click of a finger and suddenly everything's perfect. Um, so for me, you know, I'm kind of in that moment of I'm enjoying working as the team and working on, we just switched our entire rotational system as a team. So I'm kind of leading that charge and trying to help us transition into that higher level play style of like an RLCS team. Um, and so during that transition, it's less about my own personal uh, mechanics and things like that. And it's more about what can I do as a team player to facilitate this play style. Mm. Interesting. Do you, and because you're spending so much time thinking about that in scrimming, do you feel like you just don't want to take the time for your own improvement or that's just like not really what you're thinking about? That's not your focus right now because you feel like in terms of as a player, you're as far as you need to be or like you're where you so need to be? I can go further. I wouldn't say it's a... Yeah, it's, I think I'm where I need to be, you know, there's, I I obviously want to improve always. It's not like I'm, I'm like happy where I am. And that's like, I'm happy where I am, but it's not like I'm, I'm done, right? I'm happy. I'm concluding my career. I'm concluding improvements. Of course, I always want to improve. Um, But it's, it's honestly, and it's not talked about a lot, but it's a lot of time commitment, right? It is. And it's not just, you know, when I go to practice, it's not, I'm just showing up and then playing the game. It's, that is two hours of mental fortitude required to, both be helping a team transition completely. There's frustration and arguments because you're trying to figure out this new play style that's not um, familiar for a couple of the players. And even for myself, it's hard to transition my own play. Um, so it's it's kind of like, um, <laughs> it's a weird relational make, or real, weird analogy is when you're playing FIFA, you can switch a player from one position to another. Uh, to another. You can say, all right, the striker, I want them to be a left winger. So I can say, I want you to be a left winger. That player won't really improve during that transition, but that's because they're transitioning to a new play style. And so that's kind of how I, I view myself at this moment is it's not like I'm improving right now because I don't really have time to work on my own game until I know what that game is. Mm. So it's kind of like a refocus here for myself where it's going from point A to B. And once I'm at B, I can then improve. But right now it's just like, these are my skills. This is my mindset. This is my play style Zoop, going over here and trying to switch that up completely. So that's where myself is and also my teammates. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, going back to our earlier conversation about mechanics and decision-making, you know, they are two separate things. And if you can improve your decision-making in the context of your team, that will, it won't, it maybe mm-hmm. won't improve you, but now you're also thinking about it from a team level, which, you know, if you're solo queuing, you're not always thinking about that. And if you can take three players and make them play better as a team, as a whole, then all of a sudden those three players become quote unquote better because they are playing better together. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's exactly the way I would view it. And you know, that team environment for college is, is if you haven't, if you probably talked to too fast and heard this too, I'm not sure if you talked about it, but uh, the team environment of college Rocket League is very different from something like RLCS, as I mentioned already. It is, 
you know, the team emphasis is, is right there because you can't escape your teammates is the funny way to put it. Like, you know, if you're the three best players of your school, your best chance of competing and your only chance is with those three players. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to make a chance in the competition, if you're going to have a chance rather, uh, you have to work with them and figure those things out, which is very different from RLCS where I can pick two players. And if I don't like that third player, see you, buddy, pick up a new guy. Um, you know, you can't do that with college. And so we're at the point now where, you know, I've had these guys on my team for a year now and we're friends, we play together and no one wants to see anyone on the team to leave. And you don't even think about it because it's not an option. Yeah. So we are going to figure out things and make that transition. And, you know, having a coach there along the way has been a really big help for us. There. Well, and I think partly to your point, it's easy to just say, well, this isn't working. I'm going to find a new teammate. And every single time you do that, you're starting back at square one. So even if you can do that in terms of qualifiers, like, yeah, you know, you can find a new team to play every qualifier with. Good luck making it into RLCS. Like if there's if there's those teams there, there are a reason that the same teams qualify out of the qualifiers every single tournament. Like there's a reason that 72 PC is there every single time because it's the same team. It, there's a reason that Charlotte Phoenix are there every single time because it's the same team. And, you know, if, yeah, if G2 decided to just come up with a complete, like they're getting rid of JNAPs, they're getting rid of Chicago, they're getting rid of Dries, and they just want to, you know, try and try three brand new people, every single qualifier, G2 is not going to be an RLCS anymore. Like it, you know, there's, there's a, just like you were saying, consistency and playing as a team goes a long way and being willing to say like, Hey, I'm married to you guys this entire season. I feel good about what we can do if we give it six months, seven months and really try and figure this out. And just like you said, you you know, well, we tried playing ranked for a week and didn't feel good about it. So let's just, you know, call it a day. Like I've had it. I, I think I'm good. <laughs> I want to go find some other teammates. Yeah. So what's the, what's the long term right. goal for you? Like, obviously you had the nerd street gamer coaching thing going. That's awesome. Uh, but like you're studying mechanical engineering and you're spending a lot of time with Rocket League. Obviously, those two things uh, don't really have anything to do with each other. So, like, once you have that degree, are you going to put that on the wall and be happy about it and then try and move more into Rocket League? Or is this just kind of your journey now and it'll be fond memories and you'll look back on it and feel good, but you'll just be an engineer? not just an engineer, obviously having a mechanical engineering yeah, degree right. is, uh, it's, it's an accomplishment. you you get what I'm saying. Sure. Um, yeah, no, actually this has been a topic for my own kind of internal conversations. A lot recently has been deciding what I'm going to do because it's, it's not just rocket league. I would say rocket league's kind of can be tabled at any moment. And I'm okay with that. Right. I play Valorant all the time. I uh, was playing it competitively for a little bit, played CSGO competitively. There will always be a game 
that I love to play competitively. And Rocket League is my number one game for sure, and it will probably always be, but there's always a game I can pick up and play competitively. And so for me, it's less about the competition. It's more about the esports scene. So with this internship starting on June 1st, for me, an intern, like in esports, that's not like me working on Rocket League or me being a TO and you know running tournaments. It's me doing event management, planning projects, working with sponsors, uh, booking venues, doing all these different things that are really exciting for me and gets me into the whole scene of esports in general. And so I'm kind of at this this moment, this fork in the road where it's like, hey, I'm going to finish my degree no matter what mechanical engineering next year. And once I finish that, I can, as you said, go into engineering or this other path is going into esports. And um, although those both have different advantages, you know, mechanical engineering, probably pay more, more secure job, um, that sort of thing. Uh, and a lot of growth there. Esports, on the other hand, is something I think I have a, more of a passion for. Um, I'm stronger suited to the environment of working with people and esports and video games. Um, however, that is, a you know, it's a less paying environment and there's a lot of job risk. There's a lot of turnover in companies. And so for me, you know, it's, it's going to be this next six months is going to be very interesting where um, as I look for the following summer for a job, will it be an esports internship again or an esports job full time? Or will it be, all right, um, mechanical engineering internship, let's get this ball rolling on that career. So for me, I'm kind of at, I have no clue to your, to your question, <laughs> right? And, and that was just to throw out both ideas. But, but my, my biggest interest is, is just seeing how I like this esports internship and seeing how I enjoy that environment of being in that company. Um, esports is still very young and I, and I know there's a lot of immaturity, not just in, in people, but also in companies. And I do love the security of being in probably a bigger company, like engineering, um, like engineering companies where I would have that security and feel like I understand, you know, my bosses know what they're doing rather than being in esports where there's a lot of people that are, that have no clue what they're doing. Um, so that for me is where, I, where I want to feel things out is this summer, any sports internship, how I feel things go and um, my enjoyment for those topics. Mm. So it's not like you're diving in headfirst into esports, but you're excited to see what, you know, comes of it. Yeah. It's kind of that traditional uh, side of me where it's like, Hey, get your degree. You know, you go to high school, you do well, you get good grades, you go to college, you get good grades, graduate with your degree, you get a job. Um, but then there's this non-traditional uh, conforming side of myself where I'm like, Esports is dope. It's growing. <laughs> I'm a part of this. I have a, I have a ton of experience in esports. Yeah. Right. I was a huge proponent in the growing of uh, the entire collegiate rocket league scene. Um, and I have esports internships. I've worked with so many people, and that is an actual career that I have enough connections in where I can make it in that scene. So it's it's you know who knows. I mean, honestly, but I do really. I don't want to dive headfirst into it without seeing. Um, you know, kind of how that plays, how it's going to play out in the next, you know, few months. Mm -hmm. So that'll be the biggest thing for me. It'll, it'll decide whether you graduate and you become fatty Oh one sizzle, the 45th or Nick, <laughs> the engineer. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really true. Very true. <laughs> well, that's, that's, I mean, and you know, looking back on my college experience, it's, it's very weird for me because you know, I have a degree in music and I enjoy music and and I don't do anything professionally with music anymore. Uh, that was the same case where my parents were like, 
you go to college. I wanted to do performance, but my mom was like, no, you need a paycheck. You need to be able to eat food when you graduate. So I did education. But right. during the day, during most days, I was uh, at the ARC, you'll remember, from the University of, well, you might remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, Love the ARC. I was there uh, at least five out of the seven days playing basketball. Like I would go to the gym on a Saturday and mm -hmm. spend all day playing basketball. Like I love playing basketball. I love being there and I love sports growing up and I was getting a degree in music, you know, like there was the thing that I was passionate about that I really enjoyed doing. And then there was the thing that I did because I needed a degree in something. Um, and you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I've had, uh, a good amount of time to reflect on that. Uh, and it'll be really, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it all like plays out for you with the internship and, and where you go, because not only does the intern internship mean something, but you have a whole nother year of college to finish that degree. And who knows what esports is going to be like in a whole year from now? Like it could be that much more stable than what right. it is right now. Um, so it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how all of that turns out. Um, do you feel like any part of you wants to pursue coaching more like that's something that you've talked a lot about in the past hour and some but you haven't necessarily like we haven't necessarily talked about how you like got into it or what it means to you now like do you see that as something you want to pursue or like that's just something that you fell into and you're enjoying right now yeah, that's kind of weird. Coaching came up as a random thing a few years ago where I, uh, Nerd Street Gamers, the company I work for currently, was like, hey, man, we need a camp counselor. Um, oh, yeah. And, and it was I like, saw the like It was a Rocket League camp counselor. Yeah, and so it was like Rocket League camp counselor. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll jump in on this and do that. So I was like with, you know, four or five hours a day with like seven students. Um, and sitting there teaching them Rocket League. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, you know, I've, I had coached my friends in Rocket League before. I had done replay analysis with my teams and stuff, but nothing like coaching. And from there, kind of um, by the end of it, I actually was doing more one-on-one -on -one coaching and felt like, wow, I really understand coaching um, and this game. And so then I talked to Nerd Street Gamers, my boss, Ben, and I said, hey, um, I'd love to do more coaching with you guys. Let me know if you have any opportunities. And he said, we want to start this one-on-one -on -one coaching program and we, we want you to headline it. And I was like, that is sick. So, you know, instantly they said, all right, you're our headliner coach alongside one other coach for Valorant League and uh, Fortnite, I think it was. Um, and so those four or five games now um, all have coaching. And right now we only have one coach for each game, but it's kind of growing into a point where it'll be like, hey, we have multiple coaches. You get to pick your option of who you want to get coaching from, kind of becoming like Gamers Ready or um, there's a few other websites kind of like that, Gamer Sensei or whatever. Um, and so with coaching for me, it's not like I want to be like an RLCS salaried coach. I don't really, and I think I could have gotten there. Or I could get there if I wanted to, I have, I know people where I could say, Hey, I'd love to try out coaching you guys and work, move forward until I get to that point. But for me, it's not as much about that grind as it is. I just love teaching. So as you know, you talked about education. Um, I, my summer jobs have been teaching computer science and engineering to students in high school and middle school at Northwestern university. Um, that was my previous job for a few years and, and that was great. And I love teaching. I love working with kids. So, you know, <laughs> to add in some more complexity to my whole thing, I don't know. I might end up being a teacher who knows, man. Yeah. like it's crazy, but I really do enjoy working with people and, and teaching and seeing growth, um, in, in students. And so 
that's where coaching comes into the whole thing is I love seeing that growth. And in these coming years, I think I'm going to continue coaching in this one-on-one type of scenario and being that headliner coach for them. Um, but as of now, you know, that doesn't, that's not a career for me that I like. I don't like doing team coaching, um, like with RLCS type level that, that scene is immature. I don't like working with them, but if there was a role I could have at a, at a I mean, it's true. It's <laughs> sad to say, but it's true. Um, you know, if I could have a, a, a moment, uh, coaching somewhere or have a job that relates to coaching, um, that is more fitting to my personality and my, my wants, then that would be really big for me. So, you know, if, for example, Nerd Street Gamers started offering, hey, we're doing um, coaching uh, and, and you know, this is, this is a full-time salary job of you coaching whatever, some program or something, I would love to do that. You know, they just started a program in Nerd Street to flex for a second. They just started a coaching accreditation program mm. um, where you can become an accredited coach through them where they teach coaching. So I'm actually one of the people who would teach rocket league coaching. Um, and that's getting started in the next few months, but we have like a level one coaching where you can learn how to coach people. And so that's been a cool program where, Hey, maybe I can make money from, you know, coaching, coaching, Yeah, which sounds hilarious, but um, it's, it's an important skill and it's not, people think coaching is just knowing the game, but coaching is not just knowing the game. Coaching is, is, is teaching in the end. Oh, sure. So, 100%. Um, yeah. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of coaches in Rocket League are, te- are not teachers. And so as a teacher myself, and a lot of the time um, in my previous jobs, I've seen that it's really about knowing how to show someone rather than tell someone information and get that, you know, deeply ingrained that information into their head and, you know, teach them that repetition. Um, so, yeah, going back to your question, though, in terms of coaching, I do see it as more of a, a side hobby that... Um, relates more to a, a closer, greater passion for just teaching people and, and educating. Hmm. And so that is a side thing that I'd love to explore, but it's not my priority again, compared to mechanical engineering and esports in general. Huh. Interesting. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it all plays out. Uh, Definitely. But speaking of how things play out, uh, I was going to say this podcast has played itself out, but that sounds horrible. So I don't, <laughs> a little, little bit of yeah, I don't. And it's just like, and I'm done. I'm tired of this. I'm bored. Like I, that, that is not the case. Uh, uh, but we have sure. been going for a while, so I'm going to start winding things down. Um, uh, where? Nope. Uh, phase one, part one of that. Any final thoughts that you might have for the listeners uh, of the infinite boost podcast? Um, I recommend to everybody to get coaching and it's not, if it's not for me, I don't care if it's from me, you know, whoever I, in the end, it's not about, you know, me getting coaching. It's about, I want people to improve and learn in this game. Um, and I love seeing people improve. And so if you are watching this podcast or listening with the intent of improvement or hearing stories of how to improve and, and learning from that, uh, gaining that. Uh, then I recommend it to every single person to try out coaching. Even if you go to uh, Gamers Ready or whatever website, you get a coach for 20 bucks for an hour. We can all afford a $20 coach for an hour. You know, if you have time to listen to a podcast, and if you have time to play Rocket League, then you have time to pay that $20 um, to get a coach. And it will completely change the way you see the game. Uh, you know, your interest will spike greatly. And I think that that is the biggest message I would have to people is that if you want to improve in something, 
then coaching is 100% the way to improve. And if you don't get coaching every day or every week or every month, it doesn't matter. Just have that one-time session and um, you know that'll help you decide if you want to do it or not. So if you're on the border of buying coaching, on the border of getting a coach, I 1000% recommend you just pull the trigger on that and make the decision. Nice. Very good. Where can people find you out on the internet? So a um, couple places. Uh, I used to stream on Twitch. My Twitch is uh, twitch.tv slash fat underscore RL. Um, used to stream a lot. I would stream coaching actually uh, pretty often. And I haven't been doing that much anymore due to not really having as much time. But again, I do go live every once in a while. Um, Twitter.com slash again, fat underscore RL. With a PH. With a PH. <laughs> uh, thank you. Means cool, by the way. Um, and so with that um i do post often on my twitter um you are from my twitter you'll a lot of see a lot of things about like our minnesota games and if you want to keep up with the collegiate rocket league i'm a big part of that scene so you'll see a lot of the content i retweet like post whatever is in relation to the collegiate scene so that would be uh if you're trying to get into that scene and understand a lot of the content there which there's a lot of content um then totally try checking out my twitter and besides that uh, if you want to get my coaching and look at that, then that would be on nerdstreetgamers.com, nerdstgamers.com. And that is the, um, you can go to the coaching there, and um, I think it's pretty fair pricing compared to most of the market for. And it will also be linked down below too. So uh, if you want to direct access to that link, just go into the show notes and you'll be able to find it. Cool. Um, and uh, I do. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I appreciate you for having me on here. I think it was really fun. I love talking about Rocket League and improvements. You know, one of my greatest passions as a coach. So it's been really fun to talk about this and you know, kind of dive into the, my my time. Yeah, as a Rocket definitely. League I feel like you know we could have kept going. Uh, and you said we started about like what twelve thirty one o'clock, and you were like, I don't have anything until seven. And I was like, these podcasts are going a little bit yeah. longer, uh, but I don't know that I want them to go go for seven hours. Uh, that would be quite a record, but yeah, I, it, it has been fun. And I think uh, we've kind of bounced around a lot in this one in particular, but uh, I feel like there were some pretty good nuggets. Uh, yeah. And I, I, it's always good to get some perspective from somebody that is like, you know, not at the, at the tippy top of the game, but obviously you have some accomplishments under your, under your belt. Um so to be able to look at the game from that perspective uh, and have something to aspire to or kind of that mindset shift of how to look at the game a little bit differently is, is a huge benefit. Mm, definitely. Um, and last but not least, I allow uh, all of my guests to ask a question of the audience. And I get responses like in the Discord and sometimes on Twitter uh, so all over the place. But if you could ask, you know, a few hundred people that listen to a podcast about improving in Rocket League, now now's your chance. Dude, $25 um, for an hour? Yeah, it's That's insane. Wait, it's yeah. $68 for four? For four hours. That's crazy. Hour. Yeah, it's ridiculously low. Like, the market average for that skill level of coaching is probably like 50 bucks an hour from, from somebody like you. Yeah. Like somebody that's literally yeah. won a collegiate tournament. You can get four hours for under $70. Like that's almost $15. Oh, wow. 
Dude, that's bonkers. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and I'm okay with it because for me, it's less about money again. In the end, it's more about well, yeah, teaching people and getting that bigger audience. Yeah, that's a that's a no brainer. Um, let's see, man, a, a question. Jeez, have you had any favorite questions in the past from people? As I continue to think about this, have you had any favorite questions from anyone? like that people have asked? You're asking me yeah, to remember yeah, things from the past. Um. I mean, I take yeah, notes when I do that. these shows because I can barely remember things like mm. 10 minutes later. So, like, I, I circled one thing on here that I that I forgot. What you had for breakfast? Oh, I have granola every morning for breakfast, so that's an easy one. I eat the same thing for breakfast. So. Nice. <laughs> you, caught me at a, you caught me at a good time for that <laughs> one. Um, what do you look for in a Twitch streamer mm. when you watch them? So when you find that Twitch streamer that you watch often, why do you watch them? What is the thing that gets you excited? Because I see it a lot on Twitter. Uh, people often say things like, oh, like, you know, post a bunch of your favorite Twitch streamers here. Let me let me go support them or raid them or whatever. And I see that a lot. And, and I go to a lot of Twitch streamers and I just, I get bored pretty easily if my Twitch streamer isn't engaging or, um, you know, for me personally, uh, I need someone that's like funny and, and doesn't take themselves seriously. Um, that's why, you know, I can't watch someone like not to rag on this person. All like squishy is very serious as a Twitch streamer. Um, and, and so I struggle to watch him stream, but then there's a lot of streamers like, um, man, who's oh, like Forky. Forky does not take himself seriously when he streams. The guy is just hilarious and he just messes around while he's playing. And so for me, that's the kind of Twitch streamer I enjoy. Someone who, who knows that they're not sweating the entire time and who can take themselves like a joke you know he'll put on sunglasses while he's playing and then just blast random 80s music while he's while he's grinding rocket league rank threes um so my question would be you know how do you find your forky or your twitch streamer that you really enjoy what is the thing that interests you the most do you know forky at all like have you ever like talked to him or like i'm sure you've had games with him since you guys are around the same rank but have you ever like talked to him funny yeah, funny, funnily enough, this is a hilarious stream, actually. So my alt account was called Forky with a PH um, as a joke. And it was kind of like my, it was my fun, whatever. And I was coaching on my alt account one time. I was coaching a student around Grand Champ 1. So I was playing on that account that was like Grand Champ 3 uh, to put them in a higher level match. And we queued into Forky, actual Forky. And he was on our team. So it was Forky, so Forky, funny. and this other guy. And we absolutely smoked the other team and one of forky's big things if you watch the stream is he loves to yell in the in the terrible in-game chat the voice chat it's terrible but he loves to yell in it so i just started yelling back at him and he was just like he was just like screaming in, in game and i was screaming back at him and i didn't know he was streaming or anything but we were just yelling at each other and it was hilarious and we won like five zero so he i clicked the party up button and on his stream you can watch the vod he's sitting there going chat do i do it chat do i queue with these guys i have no clue what's happening but i'm gonna do it so like right at the end zero seconds left on the timer he joins in the party and we start playing together and so it's forky forky and this other guy oh my gosh for an hour and a half it was absolutely hilarious and every every single game we were just yelling at each other in game and at one point he's yelling like get this guy out of here our third sucks you know he's being he's being so funny um make making fun of the student that i was coaching um who was who was totally he was laughing he's a good buddy of mine but it was just such a funny scenario that forky and forky were playing and so in the end because he's seen me as you said we're around a similar rank so when he sees me in rank he knows my name is fat and so 
um, when I went to his chat afterwards, um, after we stopped playing together, I, I subscribed to him again. And I was like, hey, by the way, thanks for playing with Forky um, on my alt or whatever. And he was like, of course it's you, man. You know, it, it was this whole funny thing. So every time I come in his chat and mention it, he sometimes brings up the whole Forky with a PH thing, which was a pretty good time. But yeah, he's, he's a funny dude. I, I appreciate that perspective um, because it's it's very easy for me to take the things that he says or like how he acts on his stream and just think it's like mm -hmm. maximum ego and that can like that can really irk yeah. me sometimes and, yeah um and sometimes i wonder to myself is it just like For i would sure. love to talk to forky not being forky like when he's not streaming right if he's just like the same way um because the dude can play rocket league like oh my gosh he's an insane player like he's he's so fun to watch crazy but, uh, crazy crazy taking the perspective that he's just like joking around and not taking it seriously and just like whatever is probably a lot more uh kind to him than me just getting frustrated because he's like complaining or like complaining about teammates or like just yeah just things yeah, of that like, nature um but i i appreciate your your attitude towards the whole thing well i appreciate the time it was a lot of fun i appreciate you sharing all of your insights and i mean we we kind of bounced all over the place didn't necessarily talk about playing the whole time but i think you know looking at the team aspect and the coaching and and all of that uh was a lot of fun so thank you thank you a lot for uh adjusting the schedule four times in the past 24 hours because i don't know how to read a calendar so thank you for being flexible and uh as always uh nick slash fat thank you for the boost oh and here's my dog to say goodbye <laughs>